Hey, this is H1, and we're going to be running it back with another episode talking about chess knowledge, chess wisdom, and chess understanding. Today, we'll be discussing what to know before you attend a chess tournament. And hey, why prolong it when I can just get right into the content? So let's get started. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. All right, let's get started. Before we answer the previous question on what to know before you attend a chess tournament, we have to answer the question what you should be bringing to a chess tournament. And three things that I'll tell you to bring as a chess player who have attended multiple USCF tournaments is a chess board, a chess clock, and a chess notation pad. Now, there are certain tournaments that I've went to where you have to bring a chess board and a chess clock. And there's this one instance where I went to this chess tournament and um, there was one board that I was looking at. I was in a round. I was playing the game and we was allowed to stand up and walk around to look at other games. And there's this guy playing this kid. And you can tell it was a kid's chess set because it was a super colorful pink and white chess set with like colorful pieces. And I could just see the regret in the in the older guy's eyes like what why didn't I bring my grown-up chess set (laughs) and usually the mandatory chess sets are green and white and blue and white you know black and white things of that nature not some extreme red white or orange green type of stuff those are annoying chess colors that I don't want to see while I'm playing chess but That's why it's important that if you're not able to play on other people's creative chess sets, be like, hey, I brought my own ordinary one so that I can actually focus on what's going on in the game instead of what color my knight is. And then I seen a Mario chess set that was played in a tournament before, which which is crazy enough that that was allowed. But hey, you know, it's not my tournament. I wasn't the, the tournament director. But anyway, now that you know that, let's get into the next part. What rules should you know about chess tournaments? And there are certain rules, like the touch move rule. Now, the touch move rule is basically when you touch a piece, you have to move that piece. And there are specific things that you have to know about this. So, for instance, when you're castling, you have to touch the king first. If you're castling and you touch the rook first, then you can just move the rook. You cannot move the king Oh, you cannot castle after you just after you touch the rook first because that indicates that you're just moving the rook like a regular piece but no you have to touch the king then you do a normal castle and touch the rook and etc another thing with the touch move rule is that if you touch an opponent's piece that you can take and it's a legal move then you have to take that piece so for instance if you if um, you're in a game right and you know 
you play your e4 move and then your opponent plays d5, you're attacking a d5 pawn at this moment with your e4 pawn. Just to get the scenario going in your head. If you touch the d5 pawn, you cannot let go and do another move without capturing it. You have to capture that d5 pawn with that e4 pawn at that moment. All right. As long as you know this so that you will just go into a tournament not mistaking this because I've lost games before not knowing that eh, I touched that. I didn't know the rule or like they, they tell you the rule in the beginning, but I just forget because you're used to playing a certain way casually at home or at chess clubs. But you really need to practice on um, before you touch a piece, you know exactly what you're doing. And that's why I tell students, hey notate the move first so you're not confused on the move that you do over the board but anyway another thing on the touch move rule is that um the touch move rule isn't um oh yeah the touch move rule isn't done unless you move a piece and let go so for instance if you um let's say you're doing your first move right you're doing your first move you're the white pieces and you touch the e-pawn. Until you let go, that's when your move is done. So for instance, you can keep on holding on to that pawn. And unless you let go of that e-pawn on the e3 or e4 square, then that solidifies that move once you let go. And one more thing about the touch move rule. I know it's a lot of things you're going to have to keep in mind. But if there are pieces on the board that are slightly off, right? that is not exactly on the square and it's annoying you but not your opponent and they don't want to switch up their pieces then you have to say I adjust and after you say I adjust then you can say it verbally like so that your opponent can hear you not loudly you're not supposed to be yelling I just I had a, um, a student do that before at a chess tournament I'm like hey this is you have to be professional. You know, I know you're 10 years old and I, I, I get it, right? I told you to say it just and I'm glad you said it. And I heard you from a mile away. Like even the even the house is six blocks down the road heard you. But hey, you can say it. And as long as you said it and your opponent knows that you said it, I don't want you to be in those. Man, it's so crazy with students. I, I'm glad that that student said it loud because there are specific situations where I've seen that um, there's some there's some devious people, not devious people, devious kids out there that would be like, oh, he didn't say I adjust. And then the other kid would be like, yeah, I did. I said it. I know about the touch move rule. And they would just be verbally going back and forth during a whole chess tournament where it's supposed to be a quiet hall. But yeah. That is touch move rule. Now, another thing is players must make their move and press the clock with the same hand. And I'm going to repeat this. Players must make their move and press the clock with the same hand. You should not be using both of your hands when you're playing chess. Just don't use it. Don't use both of your hands so you don't have to keep um, so that you don't have to keep up with this rule. So just designate either your right hand of playing chess or your left hand or whichever side that the clock is on if the if the clock is on the left hand side then maybe learn how to play with your left hand but i know my me and myself i just play with the right hand no matter which side the clock is on 
And speaking of, are we at that point yet? No, we're not at that point yet. But yeah, if a player is caught doing this, playing with um, moving pieces with both hands, then that could be either a penalty or an elite chest. That can that can be a loss of a game. And you definitely don't want to see that. As some tournaments would be like, hey, nah, you, you lose the game for breaking the rules. <laughs> it can get really serious really quickly because there's a lot of money on the line. And that cheating, uh, if you don't have um, a penalty for that, then players can be like, nah, I don't want to attend this tournament, tournament anymore if you're allowing crap like that. And so, yeah, that's crazy. Another thing is after winning or drawing or, or losing a game, you, you usually have to notify a tournament official for the point. So, you know, don't just go around not notifying people. <laughs> don't just assume that they know who won or lost a game. That would be crazy for you to do that. So after you're done with the game, usually you raise your hand and um, a tournament official should be walking their way to your board and then they'll clarify oh snap okay you won whatever okay cool or it would be like the opposite it would be um after the game you reset the board and then you and your opponent goes up to the tournament official or like a board where they keep track of all the points and then you tell them together i know that's usually in in kids um tournaments what happens but in grown-up tournaments um I, I did have certain situations where my opponent was mad and he just went outside to go smoke and um, I had to go to the tournament table by myself and said that I won the game and which board that I was at. So, hey, as long as you tell somebody what happened in the result and you get that point, that's all that matters. Another thing, another rule to keep, keep um, in your head is that if you have any questions or concerns, just notify the tournament official. So all the people who are beginners, I was playing a chess tournament for the first time. Yes, notify a chess tournament official, like based on moves like threefold repetition or the 50 move rule, things of that nature. You can ask them anything that you need to so that you can um, win a game. Essentially, you, you don't want to be at a loss at the last minute. Don't don't be trying to raise your hand to get the tournament official. Um, when you're down on time control and you're trying to catch up now and you're not understanding things because it's against the rules to pause the clock. So, unless you have an important... I, I think you can pause the clock and raise your hand for the tournament official. But I, I wouldn't take that risk. The, the chess rules are very strict at certain tournaments. You should definitely read the manuscript of what you can do and what you cannot do at every tournament that you go to. Um... So, this should be self-explanatory just based on all the the rules i mean based on all the cheating scandals that is going on right now but there's no cell phone use allowed during the chess game no cell phone use you shouldn't be texting anybody you shouldn't be calling anybody no cell phone use is allowed during the chess tournament and <laughs> in this podcast i don't know about the next episode but we will eventually be going over the history of cheating and what classifies as cheating in chess and there are different types of of cheating throughout the centuries of, of playing at chess tournaments and that's going to be pretty interesting I'm, I'm pretty excited about going over that because most people don't even know like what is considered cheating 
in chess, which there's a lot of things I can tell you that much. And then there's some things that's even in Bobby Fisher time that was used against him. And yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be a good episode. And then the last tip that I want to go over, which there are many more, I'm probably going to have to do a part two on the things that you should know before you go to a chess tournament. But black usually decides which side the clock goes on. So, for instance, if you're the black pieces, you get to decide if the if the clock, the chess clock goes on the right hand side near um, the right hand side or the left hand side. And you only get this advantage since, you know, you go second. You, you have a disadvantage on the board since you go second and white goes first. So, yeah, at least you have that. You know, if you're left handed, then you can use that to your um, advantage and put the clock on the left hand side and trick your opponent. Uh, actually, dang, you would have be tricking your opponent since that would be his right hand. Another note, hey, I, I, it's an advantage for you if you put the clock on the right hand side and then you get into a time crunch and your opponent is having a hard time um, keeping up with their moves since they're going to have to cross their arms over. Yeah, yeah, you're you're good. You're Gucci. I, I don't know why I was getting confused like that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, those are basically some general rules that you're going to have to keep in mind of and hopefully this um, episode helps you out in your future tournaments um, you chess players who are listening now and thank you for everybody who's listening and let's get to the conclusion of the episode mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, thank you for listening to the episode for today. And if you want to stay notified on all the episodes that have been coming out every single week, then just follow. Follow on whatever you're listening to this on. It could be Spotify. It could be Apple Podcasts, etc. Just follow. If you follow, then I will be teaching you how to play chess every single week or giving you news on what's going on in the chess world. Thank you for picking the podcast for today and I'll see you next time.